um, uh, we ask that you would crack open our hearts and uh, feed us, uh, nourish us, and make us stronger in you. Um, If anyone here does not know you, may they find you today. Uh, May you pluck them out of where they are and um, help them to see uh, the truth of your word, Lord. We want to be worshipers. So we ask that you would use this time to sharpen us and make us um, into who you want us to be, Lord. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're toward the end of our series in, in Proverbs. And um, what we did is we well, looked through the Proverbs and found themes, found uh, emphases that I find, you know, kept popping out at me. And so we, we pulled them together into a, in a, into a series. And um, I really, really was anxiously waiting for today's message because ever since... I started ministry. I think one of the number one questions I get has to do with finding the will of God. You know, what is the right decision to make here? Uh, Should I marry this woman? Should I marry this guy? Should I go to this college or that college? Uh, Should we move? Should I take that job? What do I do? Door number one, door number two, door number three. And and we we fret over which one, you know, which door. And we want to know what decision to make. And uh, that question rises up inside of us and sometimes causes us to do some foolish things. Um, we look for signs in the clouds. We start interpreting dreams. Was that, <laughs> was that the pizza? Or is God trying to tell me something there? I'm not sure, you know. Um, we use the Bible weirdly, you know? We, we just want answers so desperately, we do the whole, okay, God, you ready? Oh, <laughs> you know? And we're looking for a specific answer there. Like, uh, should I marry this guy, God? Is this the right guy? I don't know. And then <sighs> he came to steal, kill, and destroy. <sighs> you know, <laughs> he's a thief. I knew there was something weird about that guy. I knew it. My dad was right. I knew there was something. He's a thief, and look, he's going to kill somebody. We use it like a Ouija board. You know, this this isn't a Ouija board. And and we want this to be that magic eight ball that we get at the mall, you know, and you shake it, and then the answer pops out. Or we want this to be like a spiritual fortune cookie. I have a question. Just give me the right answer. That I don't think that's what God wants us to be after. I don't think God is as concerned with giving us exact answers. Go through this specific door and say that specific thing. Go to this specific college. I'm going to reveal to you exactly the name of the person you're going to marry. So don't date anybody until you discover this person. You know, it's just typically not how God operates. In fact, as you read through the word, you begin to realize, especially in the wisdom literature, you know, the Psalms and the Proverbs, you know, that what God is after is not to give you, spoon-feed you exact decisions. What God wants to do is make you into a wise decision maker. And there's a difference. But that second one is harder. Because it, 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 it's asking me to do a lot of work and a lot of change and a lot of thinking and a lot of praying versus just give me the answer. Right? And so what I want to do is I want to open up to a proverb that's going to start us off this morning. 
uh, with how to make decisions. Okay, you've got a big decision ahead of you, or you're wrestling with a, with a tough decision. And granted, you know, you do a Bible study in Philippians and you don't come out with the answer. You read the Psalms all the way through and you don't have an exact answer. Which one is it? Which door do I go through? And as you're getting frustrated with that, maybe, I want to allow us to be kind of brought back to how the Lord wants us thinking about decisions. And we're going to begin in Proverbs chapter 14. If you don't have a Bible, if you slip your hand up, we'll get you a Bible. Okay, uh, we got a, a couple here in the front and um, we'll bring you a Bible and we want you to move, open your Bible to Proverbs. If you kind of crack your Bible kind of in the middle, you might land Proverbs. Maybe if you're in Psalms, go to the right. It's the next book over. And I want you to see the word for yourself. Mark it, highlight it, circle it, whatever you want to do to remember this verse. It's going to start us off this morning. Proverbs chapter 14, not 14, 13, Proverbs chapter 13. In everything, in everything, the prudent, the prudent person, the prudent man, the prudent woman. 13, 16. I know I messed that up. Edit that on the tape and make me sound smooth. Proverbs 13, are we there? Proverbs 13, verse 16. Chapter 13, okay, verse 16. In everything, the prudent, the prudent person, acts with knowledge, but a fool flaunts his folly, flaunts his foolishness, flaunts his inability to make a wise decision. In everything, the prudent acts with knowledge. But a fool flaunts his folly. Just look at that first line right there. In everything, in every decision, in every circumstance, in every scenario, morning or night, good time, bad time, you know, uh, physically ill or healthy, in everything, someone who's prudent acts with a know-how, acts with a knowledge. And, and what that line is saying is, what God is after in a wise person is not the ability to know what to do in every circumstance, but knows how to make decisions. We always want the what. Give me the what, God, so I can just be a robot. I don't have to think about it, dwell on it, pray on it, work over it, have a lot of quiet times. You know, that's just really lame. I just want an answer. I want to know what to do here. God doesn't want to cut to the chase and give you the what to do. He wants to make you into a person who's a wise decision maker. He wants to give you the how. The how to make decisions. That means you have to change and grow as a person. And you understand how to make decisions. That way, regardless of the circumstance, regardless of what decision lies before you, no matter how many doors there are, you're the type of person who knows how to make a wise choice, a wise decision. And you remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about banking on the sovereignty of God. By the time you go through a door, when you look back, there's a sign that says, I, allow, I said that. You know, God is sovereign. 
And so there's not like, oh, am I going to derail God's plan? You know, like God's up there biting his nails like, oh, man, I'm, it's door number two. But can I throw him some signs and make a funny shaped cloud and, and move it in front of them or something? And so make sure they choose the right door because I don't want this whole plan to derail. I have to rewrite Revelation if he goes through the wrong door because then Jesus can't come back and do what he does. No, obviously not. And so our worries are different. Our worries are because we feel like we're the ones in control. God is not asking you to fret about what's behind the door. He wants you to think about making a wise decision. That means becoming a person who's not as concerned with the what necessarily, but is after the how. I want to be a certain kind of person. What kind of person is this? It says it right there. And everything the prudent acts with knowledge. Now, I didn't really know this because the Proverbs and the Psalms use synonyms, right? Words that pretty much mean the same thing. And they use them back to back, just kind of vary the landscape. And they don't really mean things that differently. Um, But sometimes they're nuanced a little bit. And it's important to see why did he choose that word? Why didn't he say the wise person? Why didn't he say the knowledgeable person? Why didn't he say the instructed person? He said the prudent. Well, I I had to look it up because, you know, I'm not... I'm not a Hebrew scholar or anything, and I looked it up, and the word behind the word prudent means clever, sharp, cunning. In fact, I have a commentary that I, that I got from one of my professors, Haddon Robinson, and I don't know if it's like human idolatry, I open it, and I'm like, hey, this was Haddon Robinson's book, you know, <laughs> because, because I respect the man. He's got all these notes in the margin, and right next to that uh, phrase in this passage, he put in quotes, street smart. And I thought, wow, he nailed it. That, that's, exactly, that's exactly what the author is after. Street smart. Someone who knows how to make decisions on the fly. They didn't, and they didn't know how to make that decision because they studied a textbook. That's academic smart. Street smart is, there, there's, a, there's a, an, an intrinsic know-how. You have a wisdom, uh, what side of the street to walk on. Uh, how to deal with... Um, uh, haggling prices at a dealership. I mean, and, and these are kind of things that you develop over time. You don't necessarily learn it from a book. This is a cleverness, a cunning uh, uh, wisdom that isn't just, oh, I memorized three Proverbs today. It, it's something else. Something clicks So where there's a decision before you're like, eh, I can't give you a full-blown essay with all the footnotes on why it's door number two. But I just have this cleverness, I have this prudence, I have this wisdom from the Lord that I just, it's door number two. And that, that person becomes prudent with knowledge. It says in verse 16, on that first line, in everything the prudent acts with knowledge. Now if you were to like go into a computer program or just Google, you know, knowledge proverbs or knowledge psalms. It doesn't mean like knowledge, like accumulation of facts. Like we go to college and we collect a bunch of knowledge and we take a test on it. And we're like, oh yeah, I'm knowledgeable enough and I pass the test. Knowledge in the Proverbs is wisdom. It, it's, it's wisdom. It's fearing God. The thesis of Proverbs is that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. I don't care what you know academically. If you don't fear God, you're the dumbest person ever. I mean, Proverbs, Right? So the very beginning is to understand that there's a God and to worship Him. And that, that's where it starts. 
And so God is not so concerned with you having so much vast knowledge of everything that no matter what decision is before you, you have all the facts. And based on all the facts that you accumulated in your mind, you're able to go like a beautiful mind, you know, (laughs) like Professor Nash and put it together. And then, oh, yes, the conclusion is door number three, you know, push your nerdy glasses up and walk through. That's that's not what it's after. He wants you to be the kind of person that can wade through, not because you have facts in your head, but because you're building up wisdom in the Lord, because you fear the Lord. Our problem is we don't see the connection between worship and practicality. But, but these guys do. The Proverbs do. I mean, how practical are the Proverbs? They talk about money. They talk about relationships. They talk about building a house. They talk about storing up so that when things happen later, you have some stuff in the bank. Look at the ant, how he does it. I mean, it's practical. But the beginning of all of that is fearing God. It's worship. And so it's very practical. You know, we come and we we, we see worship as a compartment of our lives. I'm going to come and I'm going to worship him and I'm going to, you know, ascribe things to him. And I'm going to go home and figure out my finances, figure out my relationship like it's separate from worship. What God is trying to do is make you a different kind of person. And when you become a different kind of person, those circumstances change. And you're able to navigate through the woods of life because his word is a lamp. And and his word is not a, a manual on if you encounter situation A, here's three options. No, that's why we get frustrated. That's what we're looking for and it's not in here. Unless we start twisting scripture and go, oh, see... He said, I'll be like, like an eagle's wings and I'll be lifted and I'll run and not grow weary. I'm going to do that marathon. Even though the doctor said no. He said, I'll run and not grow weary. And the word of God is over the doctor's word. You know, and then we start preaching and it's like, dude, I don't think Isaiah was talking about marathons, man. You know, but we want specific answers. And we, so we choke the word and twist it into what we want. And then becomes our little spiritual Ouija board or something. What Isaiah is after is the same thing that the Proverbs are after. The same thing that Matthew is after is we want you to to worship him, fear him, become like him. And by the time you get to the New Testament, you see that the goal of all of it is conformity to Christ. Whichever door you choose, you're, you're after being like Jesus. So rather than pursuing the right answer or asking God for the correct decision, God is more concerned that we become a better decision maker. By accumulating wisdom. And um, in order to do that, we have to, um, we have to follow what the Proverbs are putting down. I want to I show us three things, three Proverbs from this book that will help us get an idea of how we become this prudent person. How do we become this changed person, this growing person, this more wise, more mature person that is able to handle decisions more wisely? And the first one, is Proverbs chapter 23. You can turn to it. We'll put it on the screen for you in case your thumbs get tired. Proverbs 23, verse 12. It says, Apply your heart to instruction and your ear to words of knowledge. This one popped out at me when I was going through the Proverbs and I said, wow. Spiritual learning doesn't just come to you. You don't just wake up one morning and you're like, man, I am on fire for God. You know, you wake up one morning and you're like, wow, I just see things differently now. You know, you're not just cooking a meal and suddenly it just dawns on you, wow, 
God is awesome. No, you, you apply your heart to instruction. You apply your ear to words of knowledge. And I think even literally. I mean, you can walk in here this morning and just like, yeah, we're going to do a sermon. We're going to sing some songs. I'm going to go grab lunch and then blah, blah. I got a lot of work to do tomorrow. Or you can go, okay, it's going to be real easy for the sermon to go in and out. What can I do to focus? Maybe I pray. Maybe I join them in prayer before service. Maybe I journal. Maybe I take notes. Maybe I turn to the passage and read that verse that he's talking about and look at it and try to understand it. You have to apply yourself. You apply yourself and you apply your heart and your ear to instruction and to words of knowledge. And so it, it takes work to grow spiritually. Isn't that true everywhere else? It takes work to go to the gym and get healthy. It takes work. You know, I'm going to go on a diet. Oh my goodness. Now I got to go to the, a different store because they don't have that particular produce and this, I can't have that. Now I go to restaurants. I'm looking for the gluten-free section or the calorie thing. And I mean, it, it takes a lot of work to do things in a better way. And that's the same spiritually. You don't just come to church and by virtue of everyone else's worship, you become more worshipful. You have to come with a worshipful heart, don't you? I mean, everyone else is reading the Bible, so you grow in wisdom. No. Well, my spouse reads the Bible a lot, and when I have a question, I ask her. Don't be a chump. Read the Bible. I don't like all those these and thous. Get a teen version. I mean, there's like 80,000 versions out there. Get the language, the translation that, that fits you. Get the Bible on CD. Stick it in your, your you know, player. Okay, MP3 now, you know, and, and put the card in your dash or whatever. I mean, there's so many different ways to meditate on the word. And we have to stop buying the lie that you have to go to seminary. You have to have a doctorate. You have to be a pastor. In order to understand it. So I'll just come to church. He explains it. What I don't understand. Well, maybe he'll explain it some other time. Be after it. Nothing touches my heart more than after a service. And someone comes up to me. And is like, you know what? You said this. But I don't understand this part. Or I was reading in my devotionals this week. And I came to this part. And I'm not sure what's happening here. I'm like, oh man. Can I hug you? I mean, because that's what it is. I don't want to just spoon feed you everything. You have to be out there like, man, I love the word of God. And as I dig and I search and I'm going to grow and I'm not going to understand everything, but I'll understand more tomorrow than I did yesterday. Then when a decision comes to you, you'll see how easier it is for you to see the way through that decision than it was last time a decision like that came your way. And rather than chasing the answer, date her or date her, you become a different person. You become a different person and it changes your ability to make those kinds of decisions. And so it takes time. It takes application. Another one that popped out at me was um, not just the application and the effort, but the time involved in that. The time in making a decision. Proverbs chapter 19 verse 2. It says that desire without knowledge is not good. And whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. This is when you go, man, I could really just spend time with the Lord. I could really just just read through Scripture. Not for the answer, but just read through Scripture and help make me a more wise person in general. A more worshipful person in general. Someone who fears the Lord more, with more intensity and with more clarity. But that takes an awful lot of work. Never mind, door number two. Don't do that. It does take time. It does take time. Now, you might have something that is pressing. You've got to let this company know if you're going to take the job and you have a week. Okay, then you have a week. 
But the principle is it takes time to apply your heart to instruction, to apply your ear to instruction. And you're going to want to gain knowledge in the Lord before making decisions. It's nice that you desire to go through a door. It's nice that you desire a job or you desire to get married or you desire to go to college. That's great. But don't just make a snap decision. Take time. And the Lord over time can reveal it. We just taught the kids this morning about patience. And that's exactly it. It's worth waiting in line for to to get clarity, to, to start seeing the fog dissipate a little bit. And you're like, oh, okay. He didn't give me a specific answer. I'm just gaining wisdom in order to make that decision. And so it takes application, guys. It takes prayer. It takes digging into the word of God. But not on your own. Not just on your own. Because the third principle that the Proverbs really drives home is chapter 15, verse 22. Without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. How practical is that? You know, talk to some people about these decisions in front of you. Uh, It's not going to be a magic eight ball. We're still not, you know, getting the the right answer. And the first thing that comes out of their mouth, that's what I'm going to respond. That's what I'm going to do. You know, Uh, no, talk with them. Sit with them. Um, Counselors aren't always right. Flip over to the book of Job. These guys are surrounding him and giving him bad advice. Right? And Job just had enough wisdom to go, man, I love you guys. You know, you're here. Everyone else split on me. And you guys didn't even say anything for a long time. You're just sitting and mourning with me, and I love you guys. But you guys are wrong. You know, so it's not just any counselor. You don't just blast it on Facebook and whatever, however many answers you get, you take a vote, calculate it, and that's your answer. No, you, you seek counselors that fear the Lord. Counselors that are wise. Okay? And you surround yourself with them. And you ask them, what, what do you think? Here's my decision. I could do A, I could do B. I'm praying about it. Well, let me pray with you on that. Well, what about this? Have you considered that? Because without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. That's why we talked about, when we talked about God's sovereignty in the Proverbs, that because God is sovereign doesn't mean you just go through life like this and just go, do anything. No. God will win the battle, but you still, you still strap the stuff on that horse. And you get your spear and you sharpen your sword and you get out there and fight. The battle's the Lord's. Victory's the Lord's. But you prepare the battle, the horse for battle. And so you need to prepare yourself. And part of that is surrounding yourself with counselors. Now, I'm not afraid to shamelessly plug growth groups in a sermon because, because there's a reason why we have growth groups. It, it's, it's a place where you come and you meet other believers and you go, okay, guys, here's something on the table. They know you, you're learning about each other, and that's your group. Some of us, I think, we turn to family, whether they're saved or not. We're comfortable with them because we grew up with them, but they may not be the wisest counsel. Or we turn to experts in the field. It's financial, and I want a financial expert, you know? Or I go to a romantic expert. Or I read a book in Barnes & Noble about romance. Oh, oh, she's from Venus. That's, that's what it is, you know? But the Bible's saying surround yourself with people who are wise in God's eyes. People who exhibit what the Proverbs are talking about when it says that they fear the Lord. They're prudent. And you surround yourself with people like that. And they come around you and and pray with you and help you clear the fog and help you become a better decision maker. Another verse in line with that, we'll just put it up there, 1114. Where there's no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, 
their safety. Now, if you're wrestling with a decision, you have something on your plate, and it's a tough decision, talk with some folks about it. We've got great people here. Um, you see all the gray hair? <laughs> what does Proverbs say about that? There's glory in the gray hair. Why? Because all the history, all the stories, all where they've been. Tap into that. I know personally know churches that that whole generation is not even in the church. We're young and we're awesome, man. And, 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 and. We're like, forget the old people. <laughs> we're, we're privileged to have a generation here who've lived twice as long as some of us. And but you know what? I've encountered that decision five times already. And here's what happened. Glean from that. Gain from that. Other people, young people, people who are spiritually discerned, they, they, they're able to dig into Scripture. We want to know what their opinions are so that our plans can succeed and not fail. We become better decision makers when we accumulate wisdom. So let's not do a microwave theology and just ask God and lean on Him when we need a decision in the moment. You know? Let's not be the kind of Christians that come to God when we need a clear answer, but the few months leading up to that tough decision, there's been none of this. There's been no prayer. And we only pray when there's a pressing decision to make. You're going to make that decision better if you've been cultivating a life of prayer over time. Because that life of prayer and that life of meditation in His Word makes you a prudent person. And then that prudent person has knowledge to make a decision. It takes time. It takes effort. And it takes surrounding yourself with other people that are pursuing the same wisdom in God. Um, but I can't, I can't leave it there. I want to go to one more passage. And we'll put it up here, but I, I want to go to one more passage that's not in the Proverbs. And I kind of promised myself I wouldn't do that. We're going to stay in the Proverbs, but I, ha- I have to get to Christ. I have to get to Christ. Because outside of Christ, you don't have wisdom. It doesn't matter how many times you read the Proverbs, you can learn Hebrew, learn it backwards, and know all the vowel pointing. doesn't matter if you don't know Christ. And I just wanted to go to this verse to show you that. And that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. It goes like this. The natural person, he means, Paul means the person who doesn't have Christ. Just us in and of ourselves without Christ. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. For they are folly to him. You know, when you explain something from the Proverbs and something that God is saying, this is wisdom, and you explain it to someone, you have to be honest at work, and that honesty is going to cost you your job. You see that as wisdom in Scripture, they think you're an idiot. Well, you're going to lose your job? Just lie like we all do and save your job. That's what's wise. See, they don't get it. So don't bank on those people. You're different if you're in Christ. The natural person doesn't accept the things of the Spirit of God for their folly to him. He's not able to understand them. He understands the words. He understands the, the, the noun, the verb, you know. He understands the grammar of what you said. He doesn't understand the wisdom of it. Why? He's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The things of God, the truth of God, the wisdom of God can only be discerned spiritually. Not in a classroom academically. They're discerned spiritually. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. 
For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? I mean, you're going to tell God what's wise? No, he's going to tell you what's wise. And then the final sentence here, but we have the mind of Christ. And so if you're in here this morning and, and you don't and you don't know Jesus, I love that you're here, you know, listening to sermons and stuff. But but if you're looking at this and you're like, uh, I can fake the funk, you know, and pretend like I'm, I'm in this, but I, I really don't get it. I don't get it. Maybe you don't know Christ. But if you come to know Christ, he, he does a work inside of you. Without Christ, you don't fear the Lord. You can't fear Him. You can't worship Him. Christ changes you and makes you into the person that does that. Amen? And then He puts you on a path and you start to grow. God's concern is that you have the mind of Christ. God's concern is not that you always know the exact answer to every question, to every fork in the road, and you're just freaking out because you just have to know the exact college, the exact person that I'm supposed to marry. Give me the name, the source, you know, the address. I don't want any fooling around. I don't want to date, have the heartache, get confused, get counseling. Oh, we didn't do this. We're not going to do this. I have to move. Do you want to do long distance? That's so much work. Just give me the name and then I can just commit to the person. God doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. Instead, he makes you a person. He accumulates wisdom in you. So that he makes you into a prudent person who's able to make wise decisions. You may not always know the what, but you know how to make decisions. You approach the circumstance with wisdom. If you're in Christ, that's a gift. You know, John told his readers, you know, you, you don't really need to be taught everything because you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And he teaches you. And so the Holy Spirit indwelling you, you want to cultivate that. You want to cultivate the wisdom in that. And then as you approach decisions... It's a different ballgame. Because before you were looking at two colleges. And what were you weighing? Ah, the credit load. And the quality of the professors. And how close is it to the beach? And how far is it from my girlfriend? Uh, we could Skype, but that's, you know, uh, I don't know. A prudent person, you know, the prudent person going to put it at the top of the list. What's the spiritual atmosphere on that campus? Am I going to be in a dead campus and be a spiritual uh, ignite something spiritual there? Do I see myself missionally going to that campus? Or, or am I not mature enough for that? And I need, I need to be surrounded by some good, mature Christians. Maybe it's not a Christian college, but do they have a club? Is there a campus crusade? Is there inner varsity? Is there some people that can get around? Who are the churches around there? Are there any gospel-preaching pastors near that campus? That's a different person than the person before that was just weighing credits. Right? Should I marry this girl? I don't know. I don't know. What am I weighing? I'm weighing, eh, she looks all right. You know, how's she going to look in 10 years? What's her mom look like? You know, what are we weighing? Right? Does a prudent person think that way? Do we want to have kids? What kind of mom would she be? Does she exhibit patience? Is she going to stick with me if I get hurt? Or is she with me because I can hit a ball over the fence? Is she with me because I want to be a pastor and that brings clout? Or does she not care about stuff like that? The prudent person is going to make a decision so that when they say those vows on the altar, they can say those vows and mean it in sickness and in health. Because I'm not making a decision based on those things. I'm, I'm making a decision as a prudent person. Do I take that job? 
Before prudence, we weigh money. How much do we make? How's that going to propel my American dream? The prudent person goes, I don't need more money. God provides. What is that going to afford me? Can I give more to the church? Is it going to free up time for me? Is it better fit with my gifting? I'm frustrated here, but in this position, I can delegate more and I'm more administrative and that's better for me. I'll be maybe a little more fulfilled and I can be more focused on Christ. Will that allow me to minister to people? The prudent person is asking these kind of questions. Not, well, that's the corner office versus a cubicle. Done, corner office. You know, that's the before person. But when you accumulate wisdom, you're like, man, corner office would be nice, but I don't know if that's going to help me grow closer to the Lord. I don't know if that's going to help me have more opportunities to tell people about Christ. And I want to make my decision based on that. And so rather than chasing specific what's, specific decisions, let's chase Christ. Allow Him to conform us. And that comes with repetition, continuous, meditating on the Word for yourself and in the company of counselors around you. Let me pray. Father, we are, uh, we are so grateful that You have the wisdom to do things Ah, the right way to organize our lives in such a way that we have to depend on you, lean on you, and that when we come to tough decisions, we can't just put in a spiritual quarter and then you just give us uh, a, a spiritual gumball with the answer printed on it, and then we just leave you alone till next time we have a tough decision. Thank you that you did not do it that way. That would just serve our selfishness, And it would really make it difficult for us to worship you the way we're supposed to. Thank you that you want us crawling up in your lap, asking, praying, searching, asking you to examine us, point out things that we're hiding, things that we need to get right with you. Thank you that prayer is more for us than for you. Thank you that you change us and you make us better today than we did yesterday. We ask for grace to be... uh, students of the word not just academically lord but that we would learn it in a way where we're discerning the meaning and what you meant and how you want us to live and change as a result of what we're seeing in your word god and um help us to be prayerful Uh, lord i i want to see this church growing in prayer it's such a pillar of who we are right now but uh, Lord, bring others into the excitement and enjoyment of prayer. So when we have our prayer gatherings on Sunday mornings and on the first Fridays, uh, that we would just come and, and just revel in prayer. Even if all we do that night is just ascribe to you how awesome you are, that we would leave fulfilled and wiser and fearing you uh, the way we should. Uh, Lord, I pray that as a result of this series and this message, uh, that we, we would be wiser. And that we would uh, put you first ahead of all things. Help us to make wise decisions, um, godly choices that please you. And um, the things that have question marks, Lord, help us to surrender them to your wisdom, your control, your sovereignty, your oversight. And that we would not be stressed and we would not be anxious, but we would just be confident in you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and, and worship.